and welcome to episode 139 of Killer Hangover. Did you like that intro? I did. You scared me. I wasn't ready. I was like pulling up the cocktail and I was like, okay, take a deep breath. We're going, whoa, mom's ready. We're on. She's on. (laughs) I'm Bettina. And I am Beth. And this week we'll be covering, sorry, I just took that away from you. Um, No. True crime and paranormal. (laughs) True crime and paranormal from the state of Kansas. Yes. Um, I thought I'd bring it uh, closer to home this time. Closer to home. Yeah. I, uh, this episode's coming out July 3rd. So 4th of July party time. Hopefully oh, everybody is having a safe, fun get togethers. I'm sure the get togethers were the weekend before, but hey, yeah. patrons, if you're listening, you're listening 4th of July weekend. So hopefully you guys are having fun. <laughs> Happy 4th of July. We'll be together. Yes, we will. We'll be together when this comes out. It'll be fun. All you guys will be here except for Katie. But three of my four children will be here and their spouses and their children and their dogs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a, it'll be a party party. on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but besides that, mom, what's life like for you? I just noticed Blake is lying right there on the bed. He He was on the other side of the bed and now he's moved his way. He wanted to be on camera. He wants to be in the picture. There you go. Mm -hmm. Obi's here too, but he's on the floor. So I'm not going to show him to you. Well, he's also like a hundred pound dog. I don't think. No, he's 88. (laughs) Anyway, do you have a drink? (laughs) Yes, I do. We got on to record and mom was like, you're doing this, right? (laughs) I said, doing what? You have the true crime. What do you mean? Was I supposed to? (laughs) Oh, there's a moment. (laughs) Oh, there he is. See, he wanted to be in the camera too. I see him. He looks really little right there. I know. He looks kind of creepy right there. (laughs) Oh, go back down. Okay. (laughs) Oh, boy. If you're just listening, I apologize. You have no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) Yes, mom. I have a cocktail. Uh, Because this is coming out July 3rd, I thought it was going to be really fitting to do a 4th of July cocktail. I actually found uh, a bunch of like patriotic cocktails. Uh, so I'll be posting a few of them on our social media. <laughs> they say that in that voice, just patriotic in that tone. Cocktails, <laughs> patriotic cocktails, uh, in exactly that tone. Exactly. Uh, I'll be posting these on our social media, and because Mom and I will be together, I think we should try a few of these that I found and take some pictures to prove that we did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Hey, question: Do you have those old school like? Remember when we were kids, you'd make popsicles. We would make homemade popsicles. And you'd I still them. have them. Great. Because when I don't have the popsicle is... sticks, but I know you do. I do. Oh, to bring me. those. <laughs> I craftaholic over here. Um, yes. Okay. So because one of the cocktails is a popsicle. We just have to make sure that the kids don't touch them because <laughs> there's a lot of alcohol in these. Okay. It's like all alcohol. But I thought that'd be kind of fun. To alcohol try. freezes. Well, I think it's blended with ice and then, okay. Yeah. There's a recipe for it. I don't know. Oh, it probably melts really fast. I, didn't know I don't know. Alcohol could freeze. Okay. Maybe I didn't read the uh, article. No, I'm that. sure you did. Maybe I just looked at the picture. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past me. And everybody look, listening right now and looking at us right now is like, you're an idiot. Okay. Moving on to today's episode. <laughs> the cocktail that I am drinking 
It's so cute, the name, and that's why I chose it. It's Liberty. (laughs) How cute, right? It is, darling. Liberty. Okay, so the ingredients for this, now it does take some effort. Uh, It's four black tea bags. You're making it yourself, so it's kind of fun. Uh, Four cups of lemonade, one cup of fresh basil, a half a cup of bourbon, one and a half cups of honey liqueur, and a lemon wheel to garnish, clearly. You saw I do not have a lemon wheel to garnish. Okay, so in a large saucepan, you bring two cups of water to a boil. You remove from heat and add the two tea bags. Um, well, why did this recipe said for four tea bags? It, it did. I was going to comment on that. Maybe that's well, where... I'm just reading from the site. So this is liquor.com. This is not my fault. <laughs> so I added four I must not have read the ingredient the directions well, properly when I was making this. Bags, so. But I added all four tea bags to it. Okay. Oh, whoops. Um, okay. So then I added the four tea bags and then I steeped for eight minutes and then I discarded the bags. I added lemonade and extra water, like two cups of water. I transferred the mixture to a pitcher and then I just put it in the refrigerator. And then it was there okay. overnight. And then this morning I stirred in basil. I crushed it up kind of in the pitcher. I got this really cool new pitcher from Pampered Chef. (laughs) Oh, boy. That like you like just pump it and it mixes it. And it was Ah. really cool because then when I poured it into the glass, it kept the basil leaves in the pitcher. It strained it kind of. It was really cool. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Anyway, um, stir in the basil and crush with a spoon until fragrant. Stir in the bourbon and the honey liqueur and... You divide it between four glasses. So you have honey liqueur? Yeah, I do. I got a bunch of different liqueurs recently because I was, I'm all excited. I can drink again <laughs> and I want to make all these fun cocktails and yeah. So okay, yeah, cool. I got, well, then you'll have to bring it. Yeah. So we can this make this drink. Is, it's yummy. It's yummy. If you like tea, if you don't like tea, you're not going to like it. Tea. And if you don't like bourbon, you're not going to like it because I it love bourbon. <laughs> has a good yummy bourbon taste so cheers oh cheers you and your water <laughs> water okay mom yes you have the true crime reminding you you have the true crime i do <laughs> yeah that's how we started how many i've got so much on my mind i'm just ditto it's okay it's it's all we're here you're ready i'm ready i have a cocktail there we go. Hope hey, I got, ready. I got a part in the play. Yeah, you did. Another reason <laughs> for another drink. <laughs> Murder on the Orient Express. I am the Princess Dragonmoth. Is it like the movie? Uh, no, it's actually a lot more fun than the movie because oh, the writer, sure. writer has a great sense of humor. I oh, say I some of great. the I say some of the most wicked things. It, it's just it's it's a lot of fun. It's going to be a blast. And the the whole, all the actors are really good. I mean, I, I am so excited. The director's great. It's going to be a really good play. And it's going to be so much fun getting there. Awesome. I'm so, excited. Anyway. Okay. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. I actually think that you are aware of this case. But like I said, I was going to bring this case a little closer to home. In fact, so close that I believe you actually shopped a few times at the store that this took place. 
Oh, well, I know what you're doing. As well as I think you've gone to the location where the body was found. Okay. When did you move to Kansas City? I started cosmetology school out here in 2009. 2009? Yeah, 2009, 2010. Okay. And so, so this happened like a few years before I did. moved out there. Yes. It happened on Saturday, June 2nd, 2007. Yeah, because I moved to Overland Park in 2010, I'm pretty sure. So 18-year-old Kelsey Smith had just graduated from Shawnee Mission West High School just nine days prior. Her and her boyfriend, John, were going to celebrate their six-month anniversary that night at around 7.30. He was due to pick her up from her house. The warm Kansas summer, mm. and I should say the hot Kansas summer, not the warm Kansas summer. But if it's in June. June's been so nice, but I can just, the heat is just no. now starting. The heat is starting. It's like, it's starting now. Yeah. It's, it's uh, awful. It's sticky. <laughs> Anyway. That heavy, you walk outside, you're just wet heat. So fun. So anyway. Anyway. <laughs> the summer call stretched. call this episode anyway. <laughs> Excuse me. The summer stretched before Kelsey, probably with plans to hang out at the pool with her friends and visit and hang out with friends as well as her boyfriend, John. In August, she was actually planning or was going to head to K-State University in Manhattan, where she wanted to major in veterinary medicine. It's like one of the best schools for that. And would uh, play her favorite instrument, the clarinet, in the marching band, joining her sister, Lindsay. Pride of Wildcat Land. Wow. Don't ever (laughs) do that again. (laughs) I'm not a wildcat, so. (laughs) It was around 6.30. I have so many things I could have said there. <laughs> Go on. Sorry. <clears throat> I'm not a cougar either. So. <laughs> I didn't Just go saying. there. I didn't go there. All right. It was around 630 that fateful day that Kelsey decided to drive to a nearby Target, the store, which sits across the street from Oak Park Mall in Overland Park, Kansas. To get her boyfriend an anniversary present. Probably closed. No. Not Oak Park Mall. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the Target's Target's in-store, actually Target, I don't know if all Targets, but this one has a phenomenal array of cameras. It's a big Target though. And this is Overland Park. So it's huge. But I'm wondering because. Nice area. They have. They have a surplus of cameras in the parking lot. They have a surplus of, I mean, all throughout the store. And I'm thinking maybe Target, that's what they do. Do all Targets do that? All Targets, yeah. It's a really busy area, though. So you have this road that literally separates Oak Park Mall, which is a Mm -hmm. very, very large mall. Love that mall. I miss living closer to that mall. And then it's like it separates the Target from Oak Park Mall. And it's a large, very nice target and it's a nice area yeah i i was assuming so all right back to the story so I'm just helping the, the story <laughs> the targets in store camera show kelsey walking around the store at around 6 45 the cameras pick her up walking around she calls her mother missy 
while in the store to ask her what kind of gift box she should get for the present. Cameras catch her speaking on the phone, then hanging up. Kelsey is then seen walking up to the checkout stand um, at 6.54. She's seen on the footage talking to the Target clerk. She was there for 10 minutes? I think all she, she was just going there maybe to get a box or she knew exactly no, what I'm gift. No, I'm commending but her. She was, I know. There's no I have way. never just walked into a Target into and spent, a Target 10 minutes spent 10 minutes and walked in and got the one thing I went in for. Like that's, no, that's, I'm commending her. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. Uh, yeah. So I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay. So she's talking to the clerk as the clerk scans her items. And then Kelsey's once again picked up by a camera as she's walking out of the door and then heading to her car. Parking lot, cameras then pick her up. Of course, they're blurry, you know, they're outside. Mm -hmm. Kelsey gets to her car and she puts the items that she bought into the passenger side car uh, or passenger side. Then she walks behind her car to get into her car and then she vanishes. At 730, her boyfriend, John, arrives at the house to pick Kelsey up for their date. He waits around until eight. And then he and her dad, Greg, who was a police officer at the time, begin to worry. This is not like Kelsey. She left more than an hour ago to go to Target. Now, that would be on par for me. But Ditto. Kelsey had a date. She wanted to get ready for her date. So she would have been in and out she of would Target. Have been, yeah. Plus, she's she's the type of girl that would call her parents and say, hey, tell or or even her boyfriend and say, hey, I'm running a little late. I got yeah. stuck here or something was wrong with my car or something. She would always call. This is starting to get very worrisome. Greg sends John and her sister Lindsay out to look for Kelsey's car while he calls different police departments asking about are there any wrecks in this area? Greg becomes even more alarmed. The police side of him is kicking in. Time keeps going and there's no Kelsey. Then he gets a call from John and Lindsay. They found Kelsey's car as they were taking a shortcut through the Oak Park Mall parking lot. So across the street is the mall and that's where they found Kelsey's car parked. When they looked into the car, all her, her purse was still in there. And all the packages she had bought from, you know, all the, the stuff she had bought from Target was in the car, exactly where she had placed it. Okay. okay. Greg, Greg immediately goes into high alert, says, step away from the car. Stay Don't where you are. Anything. Don't touch anything. And he calls the police. Greg and his wife also head out to the parking lot to the car. So like I said, everything was still in the car, but there's no trace of Kelsey. So this is about 11 o'clock, four hours after Kelsey was last seen, and detectives enter into the case. The car is thoroughly searched, and all surfaces are dusted for fingerprints. Of course, probably the most intense, scary part is opening the trunk. Oh, yeah. Oh, that I'm would sure. be terrible, but Kelsey was not. Not knowing what you're going to find. Kelsey was not there. Next is the question we all know from documentaries and crime shows that those closest to the people are questioned first. Mm -hmm. In this case, it was Greg and Missy. 
So they're sitting in the interrogation room and Greg's like, Missy, this is what we do. We question. So they're, they've got to question us. It, it's part of the deal. Uh, this doesn't mean that we are, you know, they suspect us to be the killers, but they have to rule us out. So mm -hmm. they sat in there and I mean, I don't know, as a parent, you too, I, I just can't imagine the angst. You don't know where your child is. She's disappeared. So you have that overwhelming angst. And now you're sitting in an interrogation room. Whether no, I'd want to be like out and about and looking and doing. Whether they're the looking active. at you as the suspect or not, yeah. it would be, I mean, I would get nervous just sitting in an interrogation room. Sure. For any reason. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it just, it's like when you're driving and a police is following you, not following you, but it's behind you. All yeah. of a sudden you're like, you're oh, like, oh, crap. I'm going one over the speed limit. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're you checking know? your seatbelt. You're like checking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just this thing, you know, and it's authority. I, I, so you, I just yeah. can't imagine. I just cannot imagine having the angst of your daughter missing and sitting in an interrogation room must be a feeling I never want to feel. Mm -mm. Yeah, just putting it that way. Kelsey's parents are cleared, of course. But then the person that had been with Kelsey more than even her parents throughout the last couple of weeks was John, her boyfriend. And he was drilled for two hours and he too was finally let go. And I mean, John, even in interviews today, he, he was very, very much in love with Kelsey. They had a great relationship. So again, the angst of your girlfriend being lost and then sitting in here and being grilled by police. And I'm sure that they were harder on him than the parents. Sure. Okay. So the next day, the Smith family, along with many of Kelsey's friends, start their own search for Kelsey, which a lot of families do do this. They made flyers and Greg, having the experience of being a policeman, he sectioned all of Overland Park and the area surrounding it, sectioned it off. It was like, okay, this group, go there, hand out flyers, go door to door. Just you're, you've got this area, cover it. Is it do like a grid this, search? This. Isn't so, that kind of what they call it? Yeah, it was a big grid search. And, and what a great idea. You're not having a bunch of people in one place. You know, mm -hmm. you're separating. And there was a lot of people who showed up to help. So separating them all for that area. Yeah. Meanwhile, the detectives were looking at the camera footage of the Macy's parking lot. So... In Overland Park Mall, there's a Macy's, and the car was parked right outside of Macy's. Okay. All right. And once again, there's footage, there's cameras in the parking lot. At 9.17 p.m. the previous night, a car pulls in and parks. It's Kelsey's car. A male jumps out of the driver's side and runs in the direction of the target. Now, you can't make out his face or anything like that. He has dark hair. But again, these these pictures are black and white. Okay, I'm so sorry. I was, a male got out of her car? Mm-hmm. It, it was driving her car? Mm-hmm. Oh, because that's where it was found. Yes. I, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I was, guys, just ignore me. Got it. So whoever got her drove the car across the street to the Macy's parking lot and parked there. 
We don't know that, but a man driving her car at 917 jumped out of that car and um, they're black and white. The footage is black and white. Because for some reason I was sitting here thinking they found it in the Macy's parking lot. Why did she do that if she had to walk across that busy road to go to the Target? I get it now. I get it. I got it. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm with you. All right. Um. You can kind of see that he's wearing, well, you can kind of see that he's a smaller guy, not okay. not real bulky, but kind of thinner, smaller. And he's wearing what looks like a, like I said, it's black and white, but a white t-shirt and okay. black or dark shorts is that what you can make out. The detectives then go back to footage from the Target, target parking lot. Okay. This might get a little confusing, but. Um, from around the same time sure enough they see a figure running into the parking lot from the direction of the mall running Mm -hmm. into the target parking lot get into a truck and speed Mm -hmm. off it's now 24 hours since kelsey vanished Mm. detectives decide to look at the footage of target parking lot and into the store itself for anyone exhibiting odd behavior I don't know what that was, but. Well, were they looking at cameras to see if there's anybody like following her in the store, following her that's, around in the store? That's sort of what they were thinking. Let's let's see if Kelsey or was. If there's being, a better visual of this let's guy. Let's see if Kelsey was being followed. Yeah. You know, in the store. Sure enough, shortly after Kelsey is seen walking into the Target, a short, thin, young man with dark hair wearing a white t-shirt and dark shorts enters the store. The detectives pick him up again, discreetly following Kelsey. So he's not right behind her, but if she's in an aisle looking at something, he's in that same aisle looking at something else at the other end of the aisle, but he always puts things back. He's not there to buy anything. Mm -hmm. Side note, that's something just to be aware of, by the way. If you yeah. see somebody walking around the store and they don't have anything, that's like just a side note. Just that's kind of something to be aware of. From my personal experience, I went to Costco. I had two kids, little ones under the age of three, and noticed this guy in every aisle I seemed to be in without a cart in Costco. Mm. And he wasn't with anybody else. I thought that was really weird that I actually even told the manager there. So just, you know, be aware. Be aware. Yeah, maybe I'm being of... mean, but that was just weird. In a Costco without a cart. Yeah. Seemed to be in every aisle I'm in was something to at least make mention be, of. So just be, be aware. Yeah. Yes, this this action, by the way, is called trolling. And this is what a lot of I don't know. Remember BTK, he would troll also. So it's basically they don't know, they don't go into any place thinking following a victim they pick a victim there Mm -hmm. so they're trolling for a victim at 654 as kelsey is checking out the man is spotted heading out the door going back to the footage of kelsey loading her packages into the car the walk around the back of the car opening the driver's side door a very observant detective sees a flash of light okay I saw the video. I could not pick this out. Even though they were talking about it, they were pointing at it, they were doing everything to point it out to me. 
<laughs> and any viewer, I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> I don't see, I don't see this, man. You guys are really good. That's why it's their <laughs> job, <laughs> not yours. Yeah, thank goodness. Slowing the footage down <laughs> and looking closely at the at it, the detectives could make out a man wearing a white shirt and dark shorts coming up behind Kelsey and pushing her into the car and getting into the back seat. Oh my gosh. Now this happened within seconds. I think they said like 40, 45 seconds this is fast. But now detectives know that Kelsey had been kidnapped. Police released a picture of the man's face, which was taken from the footage, to the public. 2,000 tips came in, including a woman who said that the man was her neighbor and he drives a blue pickup truck. Back to the Target parking lot footage. Sure enough, a blue truck is picked up. Oh, sorry. That was... A terrible pun on words. A blue truck is picked up, slowly <laughs> driving. It oh, parks. Mother. It parks right after Kelsey parked her car, and a white male dressed in a white t-shirt and dark shorts heads out and heads into the store. It's the same guy who followed Kelsey throughout the store. The police receive another call, this time from a man who says that he's a co-worker of Edwin Hall the man in the photo, and he and Edwin Hall drives a blue pickup truck. It's now been three days since Kelsey vanished. Police and the detectives head to Hall's house and arrive just in time. As they pull up, they catch Hall and his wife loading the pickup truck with their belongings. They're headed out of like town. Like loading? Oh, my gosh. And, yes, the man was married and had a four-year-old son course. 26-year-old Edwin Hall is taken in for questioning and he's fingerprinted. He is, of course, denying any knowledge of Kelsey. He does admit following her in the store because she was cute and had nice legs, is what he said. Oh my god. But he stated that he had no contact with her. That comment, she's cute and she had you know, she has nice legs, bothered the heck out of me. And I that's that it's sitting with me really funky right now. Like it it what a what a mm, what a creep. But that's More how he picked her. That's what he how he picked her out. I mean, literally, that's I mean, gag. Yeah. As following a female around because she sorry, he should be arrested just for that comment. All this was proven a lie when a fingerprint match came back to Hall's fingerprints. And the fingerprints were found on the seatbelt release on the driver's side of Kelsey's car. So he's the one who had been driving Kelsey's car. Thank goodness for habit, though, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's true. He he put on his seatbelt. Thank goodness for habit. Yeah. I don't know why. Oh my gosh, that's true. I don't know why it wasn't on the steering wheel. Maybe Maybe he wiped it down. He probably wiped it down. Because he, yeah, because he touched it. I don't know. Other other fingerprints though were found on Kelsey's on the steering wheel. So I don't maybe know. Maybe her boyfriend drove her car or something like that. Or maybe there were so many fingerprints they couldn't really yeah. distinguish, you know, That's because true. her father, her oh, mother, gotcha. her, her sister. Maybe John drove it too. 
I mean, there were so many people that drove that car. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know fingerprints that well. But but just the fact that a stranger's fingerprint was on the seatbelt release. Yeah, that on the buckle. That's where they yeah. found it. Hall, after that, made a full <clears> confession <throat> to avoid the death penalty. He stated that, <laughs> sorry, he stated that she caught his eye. He was actually trolling. So that gives you a freaking excuse? I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. He was actually trolling in the Target parking lot first (laughs) to find someone getting out of their car. He saw her parked and followed her into the store. When he saw that she was checking out, he ran, and well, he didn't run, but he walked casually out of the store, went to his truck and got his gun. He waited in the parking lot for Kelsey he forced her, of course, by now, he knew where she was parked, right? Because he had followed her. So he was waiting around the area where she was parked. As soon as she got to the driver's side, he shoved her in, point, you know, showing the gun, and then got into the back seat holding the gun to her. Two hours later, he returned alone. So where's Kelsey? So here's the other hmm. tragic part of this story. At the beginning of their search for Kelsey, police asked the Smith's cell phone provider, Verizon, for Kelsey's phone location. Remember, this is 2007. Now, some sources say it was her father. Some sources say it was the police. So I'm just going to put that out there. Needless to say, they asked for the location. Federal law states that the information may be released. Don't have to. Mm -hmm. It may be released. So by what? the representative at the time, okay. So at so the representative okay. could release it if they wanted to, could go through the work and release it, or could say, No, I can't do that. So Wow. That'd be really the customer, if they didn't release it. But the customer service rep who I mean, I'm gonna give them some kind of leeway here. Maybe they didn't know about that law. Maybe mm-hmm. they thought they maybe they truly thought they couldn't release that as they didn't release the information. But even in a missing persons like situation when police are calling you, you can't release it. Well, when you got federal law, right? Yeah. Now this is two thousand silly law. Just remember, changed since this is two thousand seven. Hold know, on, girl. Ch- Hold okay, on. Sorry. Hold All on. Right. <laughs> in the statement. The person told police that she couldn't release the location. Now, granted, Kelsey had been killed before the call to Verizon. Okay. Mm. So even if the service rep had given them the location, they still would have found her body. But if you think it would have saved the Smiths three, four days of the horrible suffering that they went through not knowing where Kelsey was. The pain, I know. Mm. Uh, as it was, the phone company finally released the information of her location four days after her, her abduction. Police found her body within an hour after the information was given to them. Kelsey's body was found in a wooded area near Longview Lake in Missouri, some 20 miles or 45-minute drive from where she was abducted. Yeah, she Longview had been... Lake is where I go to go see Christmas lights. And I actually think about this case every time. Yeah, it's 
actually mom nowhere near where I live. Um, but we pile the kids in the car and we drive all the way down there to Longview Lake and we drive around and they do this really cool free Christmas. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's where they do it. Okay. Thing that we drive around. Yeah. And I always think about this case whenever I take my children to look at Christmas lights. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's where I she do. was found. She had been sexually assaulted, strangled, and just left. Now, some sources say that her body was covered with branches and sticks. Others that she was not covered at all. And still others say the information is unknown. So just putting that out there, I don't know. Mm. Edwin Hall was charged with aggravated kidnapping, two counts of rape and murder. He pleaded guilty and was sentenced to life in prison. His home now is the Hutchison Correctional Facility in Hutchison, Kansas. Now, I'm not going to go into anything else regarding this slime ball. This, there you go. That's the information on that dirt bag. If you want to anyway. look them up, you can look them up. Yeah, I don't think he's worth our time. Okay. Now, the parents, the parents want to help other people not have to go through this. So they came up with the Kelsey Smith Act. Mm -hmm. I'm going to quote this. Cell phone providers are regulated both federally and statewide. So we need to make sure that law enforcement has those tools available, said Missy Smith, Kelsey's mother. The federal law states that this information, quote, may be released. We just want the decision making to be left up to the police officers not a customer service rep on the other end of the phone at 2 a.m. Yeah. It it did get passed, and but it's not in every state. If police officers call the service provider, they can get the location of the phone. But it's not, I think it's like 40 states, 35 to 40 states. There's still states that don't allow it. And they don't allow it because it goes against people's privacy mm -hmm. and you know even the police can't get into your privacy and i'm thinking okay i'm sorry but if there are certain situations situations like this the police aren't going to potentially look find the missing person yeah and, and they have they've saved so many lives already oh i'm sure so oh, many I'm lives sure. and have found people you know and so this is a, a great act but you know, there's still the privacy thing going on. And there's there's people who don't want their location being told to police. And to me, it's mm -hmm. like, man, click on my phone. <laughs> I don't care. I want you to find me. <laughs> this find old woman phone. walking around the woods. I want to be found. <laughs> oh, so boy. anyway, I, I commend Greg and Missy for working super hard with legislation to get this passed because I think mm -hmm. it's a very important tool that the police should have available to so. them. I think but again, so. that's my, that's my point of view. Um, Greg actually does something else. He goes around to colleges and is the guest speaker at other places too. But uh, he was here at K-State. Frank Trace, the um, music department director, Actually, I guess I think he arranged for Greg to come up and speak to the students about safety. So I think I'll 
kind of tell you some things that he talks about because I think it's important. He says the fact that approximately 4,000 young people around the ages of 17 and 24 are murdered in the U.S. every year, Smith said. That number to me was holy smokes. This is directly affecting people your age, he says to the college kids. And could affect somebody in this very room. You have to be prepared. Smith said that homicide has been the second leading cause of death for people ages 17 through 24. And has taken 34,104 lives in the U.S. since 2003. Approximately 30,000 more lives lost than the combat losses suffered in Iraq and Afghanistan. Smith said that there are several keys to personal safety, including having awareness, which is what we talked about, being prepared mentally and physically, and maintaining a survival mentality. Know your surroundings. Also, I mean, I've not done this, but I think it's a good idea for especially women to do this. Go get into a defense class where you can learn self-defense. They have some that are just like one evening. Like it's not like this, you know, every Thursday for a month or anything. Like, yeah, I think it's very important to pick up a few skills. Yeah. Carry your keys between your fingers. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, carry a a loud siren on your (laughs) keychain or whatever they make now carry a pepper spray. And here I am a lot of words. I don't do any of this, which is really, I shouldn't say that. (laughs) I know I've got this dog that I depend on, but, um, right. And I have pepper spray when you walk, but I mean, there I've taken two of those classes. Actually. I took one when I was in, uh, it was between I had it's between my senior year in high school and college, and then I took one um, through cosmetology when I was in my own salon. The salon owner That's put right. on right put on one. Uh, I mean, it literally that last class was taught by this awesome um, FBI agent. She was incredible. Um, she also taught us about trafficking and stuff. It was just very. It was very interesting, but that literally saved me. Uh, Again, when my kids were really little, I took them to a local park out here. And as I got out of the car, I mean, there are ways to even get in a vehicle and out of a vehicle to be safe. You know, there's, you try not to open as too many doors. You try Mm -hmm. to just open, you know, the most minimal doors you can to get into your vehicle. I mean, there's just so many different things, guys. And I know that's very overwhelming to hear, but Long story short, I was getting out of my vehicle. It was a really hot summer day. I opened up the back door to get one of my children out, and this man rushed me from behind. Um, I had already gotten my stroller out of the trunk. Trunk was closed. Stroller was out. Rushed me from behind. Uh, And, you know, in scary moments like that, those classes don't click in your head. You kind of, you don't really, but it's good to just try to be vigilant. I slid the stroller in between him and I. He was trying to get as close as he could to me. I closed the door behind me. So now my babies are closed inside of a very hot summer day vehicle. No, it's off. And so now they're trapped inside this hot car. So, and my bag is in there. I had no phone. I just had my keys. And I remember slipping my keys in between my fingers. 
and just trying to appease this man. He wanted money. He wanted my phone so he could call for a ride. I mean, he was not present. Um, I threatened him and eventually he backed away and he's like, I'm going to keep my eye on you. I'm going to keep my eye on you. I quickly got into the car, started the car, you know, and made sure my children were okay. At this point, they were very hot. It was a very scary situation, but it's just, just being vigilant and putting something like a cart between you when you open the door to the outside world. Like there's just so many different things. Mm -hmm. I'm not a teacher. I'm just saying you just, there's so many different ways you can go and learn these different things. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be terribly time consuming. So don't, you know, that's something nowadays we want things quick and there are, (laughs) there are ways we can get this information and then I'll, I'm going to find some sources. I think it's really important. I do too. The other thing is, especially women are taught from little to be kind, you know, Mm -hmm. always be kind to strangers. I mean, boys are too, but especially women, we tend to be more kind. And I think that we need to stop that. We need, yeah. I mean, not no, that's why I'm every, shaking my not, head. Not towards yeah. everybody. I'm saying if you're confronted like that, you don't like, oh, sir, you know, you're getting too close or whatever. Oh, no. You need to I just was, be assertive and say. I was very assertive. Um, my children had already started crying because, again, this is a 100 degrees outside day. Um, and they could sense that a mommy was scared. And I was like, you need to leave. I have a gun. I like I was like. I have my phone. I'm going to call the police. He's like, well, give me your phone. I need a ride. That's all I want. That's all I want. And I was like, I understand that's what you want, but you cannot confront me like this. You know, you can't be doing this. You need to leave. Like I was just very assertive. And you know, what makes me the most mad about the situation is all the parents that were there at the park that did nothing for me. And that's the case. That's the case so much. People don't step in. I mean, they take out their phones and video things more than they will step in, which is so sad. That is so infuriating to me. in our society. I understand that they were there with their children, but you see a mom being harassed at a vehicle. That that was very infuriating to me. But it could have been a lot worse. I'm very thankful. But yeah, it's, it's scary out there. My babysitter and I were actually just talking about this. I had her come with me to a park the other day because I wanted to get my kids out and go do something, but I wanted to have extra hands and extra eyes on all the kids. And she and I were just in awe of the way that parents were just letting babies and a lot of parents were just sitting there on their phones. And I'm not criticizing people. I am not mom of the year by any means. But it takes a quick second. It takes a quick second. And they're everywhere. These predators are everywhere. You could be at Overland Park at one of the nicest malls out there and a Target. And I mean, they're everywhere. And that's what be vigilant. That's what's so sad. A Target run. How often do you a normal day to day? Yeah. I mean, how often do you go to a store? And we We always, always, always. We never think it's going to happen to us. That's the biggest thing is like, we hear all these stories. We sit here and we talk about them every week. You never think it's going to be you. And that's, you can't think like that. You always have to be just prepared. Yep. And Mm -hmm. what we, something I didn't mention was, and what we talk about all the time is listen to your instincts. 
Always. Your and gut maybe, is, is yeah. maybe your gut's telling you something wrong, but you better play it on the safe side. Mm-hmm. You know, rather be safe than sorry. I always yeah. get kind of a, I don't know, you're sensitive, but I get kind of premonition things. And so, you know, the one time I, you know, I, I do grab my pepper spray. Um, and the one time I had forgotten it, I went back to the car to get it because something was telling me I needed my pepper spray. And um, we're on a path, it's a paved path, but nobody hardly is ever there. And um, I'm just getting more and more like tense for some mm-hmm. reason. And then several yards ahead of us, a guy just walks out of the woods. It was very unusual behavior. Even Obi stopped and looked at him. He didn't bark. He didn't, he just stopped and looked at him. And you could tell that he was kind of like, uh, this is not supposed to happen. I immediately turned around and walked away. We didn't get a full walk that day. No. It was like, I'm not messing with this. I'm not, no. I, maybe it was just a dude that was walking out of the woods because he sure. went to pee. I, I don't know. Yeah. But something was wrong. And it, listen to your gut because we have that primal instinct still in us and we We have to use it we do and that's that's like the one thing I absolutely hate about this social media stuff and like being on your phone all the time yeah because a lot of people are listening to us right now doing something there's a no I'm 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 just saying like right now somebody is taking a walk or on their morning run or at the grocery store, even I've seen people listening to podcasts or you're driving to work right now. Just, you know, you can listen to us, but you can listen to the radio. You would just try to be vigilant. I don't know. My, Actually, I've again, had people that listen to us go, you've, you've kind of scared me. I'm like looking <laughs> around every time I walk now and I'm like, cool. good, good. <laughs> If anything, I, I hope do- we've scared you. <laughs> I want you to do that. <laughs> no, shout out to uh, my babysitter, though. She was a great extra eyes for me. But she she was telling me she's like uh, she was watching my kids over near some older kids, especially. And she's like, I'm sorry, Beth. I just I just always think worst case scenario. And I was like, no, that's why I trust you with my children, because <laughs> right. unfortunately, you know, most of the time, bad things are not going to happen, but it's that 5% chance that it does. And you just want to be prepared. Yeah. So anyway, we'll get off our soap boxes now, mom. Stepping down and it is your turn. It's my turn. Okay. Are uh, you doing Kansas or Missouri? Neither. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Yes, I'm doing neither Kansas or Missouri. Okay. I am actually doing something for the 4th of July. So I searched ghost stories of the 4th of July and Mm. hauntings around the 4th of July and nothing came up. I found two stories that were eh, okay. And I was like, I'm just, there has to be more. So then I found this really cool website, really cool article on good housekeeping. And it was on goodhousekeeping.com and it was about the founding fathers and it was like ghosts of the founding fathers and I was like that's really cool so that's very patriotic fourth of July right well as I'm reading these little snippets they covered probably like six founding fathers Mm -hmm. 
I would say four of the six were about the founding fathers' wives, not the founding (laughs) fathers. fathers. Okay. So for this 4th of July episode, we're doing the founding mothers of, (laughs) (laughs) because there are a lot of women in history. Yeah, I know he was the president, but his wife did a lot of cool stuff too. So (laughs) there you go. You know what? Sorry, but that's what I think about that. So this is going to be a fun American history lesson on some founding mothers and some hauntings that go along with it. All Are you right. ready? I am ready. Are you though? Because I'm going to start with John Adams. Who was he, mom? Do you remember what president he was? Oh, I'm terrible. <laughs> second I'm president. So, I'm so uh, terrible at this. <laughs> okay. He was the second president. He and his wife, Abigail, were the first uh, residents of the White House. White House. That I knew. John Adams lays low. He doesn't haunt. But his wife, Abigail, seems to haunt the She's White House. She's a haunter. Mm-hmm. She is usually seen wearing a cap and a lace shawl carrying laundry. They don't have people that do that for you in the White House. Apparently she did her own laundry, but can you just imagine? That is the worst chore out there. I will clean a toilet over doing laundry any day. Well, you do it so much. Can you imagine doing laundry throughout all eternity? You're dead and your life's over, but you're still doing laundry. I know, for eternity. (laughs) Well, that'd be a horrible purgatory. Oh, my gosh. Oh it's my like gosh. these spirits who always fall. <laughs> you know what I mean? They always fall to their death over and over and over again. Oh, horrible. I know. Okay. Patrick Henry. Do you know his famous quote? Would you stop testing me on these things? I'm terrible at it. Do we have some listeners yelling it out right now? Give me liberty or, or give, give me, me death. death. There you go. Uh, He said this quote on the eve of the Revolutionary War. He's very well known for his speeches. Uh, He left very little written word behind. He loved to give speeches. Mm -hmm. He was the first governor of Virginia. He was married to Sarah Henry. Now, her story is a really sad story. She was married. She and Patrick got married in 1754. They were childhood sweethearts. He was 18. She was 16. They moved to Scotchtown, Virginia on a plantation in 1771. And when they moved there, she gave birth to her sixth child. And after this child is born, she suffered what we can now assume was postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, we don't know exactly, but from letters written from Patrick's mother um, out to, I believe, Sarah's sister, she wrote that Sarah had gone mad. Mm. Um, So again, we can just assume that this was postpartum depression. Now, this is back in 1771. So things are a lot different back then. As you can imagine, mental health issues and so forth were treated a lot differently than they are now. And from an article that I read, um, it said, quote, sadly, the only hospital that would accept mentally ill patients had deplorable conditions and Patrick wouldn't subject his wife to that place, unquote. So he loved his wife. I mean, it is seriously a tragic love story. 
He loved her so much and he knew that there's something seriously wrong with her, but he wasn't going to send her to this hospital because back in those days, and I believe it was Eastern State Hospital in Williamsburg, this is when they would, they bleed patients, they would shock patients, they would dunk patients. I mean, they would do just, I hate to say they didn't know any better because it's like, come on, this is a human being, but it's just unfortunately. Yeah how things were. So, and I know, again, this doesn't sound much better, but he decided to just lock her in the basement. Uh, he kept her in a, they called it a straight dress, which is something very similar to a straight jacket. Mm. She had two rooms down in the basement and he kept her locked up. And I know that doesn't sound any better, but I think that's just how, I, I don't, I don't know. I can't say what's right or wrong back then. Uh, he had a nurse with her at all times down okay. there, and then he actually built a staircase on the outside of the home that went down into the basement. So when he would arrive from his business, arrive home from travel for work or whatever, he would not even go into the house. He'd go straight down into the basement every time to see his wife. He mm-hmm. loved her so much. And things really got terrible. I mean, she... She really wanted to harm herself. That's why they put her in the straight dress is she really wanted to harm herself. He was just trying to keep her as safe as possible the best way he could. So she was actually locked in the basement for four years and she died in 1775. She was buried in an unmarked grave on the property. And this again was tradition when somebody is tradition, tradition, um, that's tradition for mentally ill patients back in the day was to unmark their grave, which again, these are still human beings. That makes me sick. Wow. Really? Yeah. So she is buried there. Now she haunts the house. And I would think so, especially the basement mm-hmm. candles will be lit in the home at night when no one is there. Now I, you know, they do tours at this place. So sounds to me like somebody left the candle on overnight and they're blaming it on uh, good old (laughs) Old Sarah, Sarah. but that's just my opinion. Um, But in the basement, actually, the paint will not stick to the walls, cannot, will not stay on the walls, no matter what they do. Multiple professional painting crews have tried to paint the basement, but the paint literally, quote, burns off the walls. Uh, I got that on richmondghosts.com. Police respond to many reports of motion detectors going off with no intruders. Oh, but it's like that. a regular We get that occurrence. a bit, quite a bit, don't we? About mm-hmm. the motion detectors. Huh. Yep. And then screams are heard from the basement. Mm. And literally a tour guide was giving a tour in the middle of the day and they all heard screaming, wailing coming from the basement. And they oh. all got so scared they rushed outside. So it happens, I guess, a lot. So that was a sadder story. I'm sorry. You and I would be like, what? I know. Why are you running outside? Let's go go downstairs. (laughs) Oh, I would just want to comfort her. Like that would, oh, that's just so sad. She was probably beyond comforting, comforting though. I know, but okay. So our next woman in history is Bessie Ross. Oh, the American flag. There you go. She designed and sewed the first American flag. She made flags for the Pennsylvania Navy during the Revolutionary War. And she was a flag maker for over 50 years. Wow. So the Betsy Ross house, uh, it is in Philadelphia. It's pretty near Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell and all that Mm -hmm. jazz. Mm -hmm. 
She lived there from 1776 to 1779. The house is, it's served as a business and a residence. I mean, it's 250 years, you know, over 250 years old. So it's an old house. It's served as a lot of things. Right now it is the Betsy Ross house. It's a museum. She haunts the basement, another basement that is haunted. Mm. She has been seen there. She's been seen crying at the foot of the bed down in the basement, which so while she lived in this house, her husband died during the Revolutionary War, and she also lost one of her daughters to an illness. So they believe that's why we see her spirit crying in the basement. Now, this is not a founding father or a founding mother, but a ghost story. So in 1982, security guards got into a fight in the basement uh, at the Betsy Ross house. Okay. And the fight went bad, and one of the security guards shot the other security guard and then left him to to die in to the basement. Out. Just okay. Yeah, just locked up and left. Ever since then, there's been disembodied voices in the area and a very dark, gloomy presence in the parlor of the home. Mm. In the director's office, which is in the attic, one of the former directors felt a large hand grab her Ew. shoulder pretty rough it scared her so much that she climbed out the window (laughs) onto the roof and onto the flagpole outside of the home and And yes i see the irony this is betsy ross's house and this is a flagpole (laughs) i thought that was pretty funny scary but funny oh my gosh okay so now we have james madison mom do you know which number president he was the look if looks could kill fourth president and he was married to what? madison uh uh, uh... <laughs> i know this Not hello this. dolly dolly, dolly. Madison. <laughs> okay sing fun it facts. i know it <laughs> <laughs> fun facts but dolly was 17 years younger than james he was very soft-spoken he was an intellectual And she was very personable and sociable, and she was known to be the, quote, social pivot of the new capital. Oh, social pivot. She was known as the Lady Presidentess, because First Lady hadn't been coined yet. I kind of like it. Lady Presidentess. (laughs) I actually like it a lot. Everyone who ever wrote about her, uh, historians or anybody, like in letters and everything, they found that she was... She was uh, just very positive, very bubbly. Just everybody really liked her. She was a lot of fun. She loved parties. He loved loved parties. parties. (laughs) He did. Well, and it's funny you say that. I know we've covered her before, so I'll get there. I promise. I do give you a little shout out, mom. Oh, thank Um, you. (laughs) So, but she was, they complimented her a lot. Now, she was married. This just made me, this, I really liked Dolly Madison, but she was married before. So James Madison was her second marriage. Her oh. first marriage, she married a Quaker named John Todd, and they had two boys, and they lived in Philadelphia. And this is 1793. Uh, it got hit with yellow fever. Mm. And Dolly's husband and their three-month-old son died. Oh. Then her father died. And then her mother-in-law died. And she was widowed at the age of 25 years old with a little boy, and she's all on her own. Yeah. Again, 
though. Historians and people that wrote about her during this time said she was still just filled with charm and she was still very positive and bubbly and she just kind of held her head high and moved forward. I really like her. So then she meets James at a social function in Washington, D.C., and Aaron Burr was the one who formally introduced the couple. When Thomas Jefferson was elected president in 1800, Madison served as a secretary of state. And since Jefferson was widowed, Dolly was the one who would host all the parties Oh, for okay. Jefferson. So maybe she liked to have a party, but that was just kind of also her job. So she was an event planner. Well, she kind of forced into it because, <laughs> you know, the wives are supposed to do that. And Jefferson was widowed. So, um, so mom talked about Dolly Madis- Madison haunting the Octagon house. We covered that in episode 85. Uh, she's been seen at a lot of parties there. And remember we talked, we're like, why is Dolly here? Like we were even joking. Like she just loves a party so much. She popped over here just to party. <laughs> Um, So actually, I found out why she's at the Octagon House. Oh, So during the Battle of Bladensburg, a lot of the public buildings were burnt in Washington. Mm -hmm. So the Madisons moved in with the man that owned that home. Uh, She's known for planting the roses that still grow there today in the Rose Garden. The haunting portion, she's, yes, she's seen at Octagon House with parties. She's just, you know, she's seen kind of at different parties and different party scenarios. But the Rose Garden is where she's actually seen the most. Hmm. Legend goes that when First Lady Edith Wilson attempted to take out and move the Rose Garden to another place, um, apparently the Rose Garden, first of all, was planted in a place that wasn't like the best. It was really muddy and got a lot of oh. like too much rain. Yeah. Uh, so Edith Wilson wanted to move the Rose Garden and the workers start to work and Dolly Madison shows up and she's like, her ghost, like she's obviously dead. So her <laughs> ghost shows up and she's very angry. The workers all quit. They never returned. And the Rose Garden has forever stayed in that place. <laughs> I covered that haunting and more White House hauntings in episode 115, if you want to check that one out. Okay. So uh, I also in 115, I covered Mary Todd Lincoln. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to go too much into her history if you want to hear more you can go back and take a listen but first lady mary todd lincoln uh she this is according to the whitehousehistory.org quote became inconsolable after the passing of willie and willie was her 12 year old son who died of um an illness i think it was like typhoid or yellow fever or shoot i probably should have written that down maybe i did Anyway, back to the quote. She became inconsolable after the passing of Willie and desperately searched for an outlet for her grief. Shortly after his death, she was introduced to the Lorries, a well-known group of mediums that were located in Georgetown. Mrs. Lincoln found such comfort from the seances held by the group that she started hosting her very own seances in the Red Room of the White House. There's evidence to suggest that she hosted as many as eight seances in the White House and that her husband had even attended a few of them. Hmm. Oh, yep. It's in my notes. He died of typhoid fever. (laughs) And I'm on top of it. Uh, So is it because these seances that Willie, the son, has been trying to communicate and has been reported being seen in the White House? He's reported a lot uh, by the staff. They see a 12-year-old boy a lot throughout the White House. 
uh, staff dating back to the eight to 1870 has seen the little boy they all say is Willie. A staff member back in 1870 actually said to have had a conversation with the ghost oh. boy. President Ulysses S. Grant also said he saw the little boy on several occasions. And Mary Todd said she had seen her son visiting her and standing at the foot of her bed at night. There's a lot wow. of foot of the beds and basements <laughs> in these stories. So if you sleep in a basement, watch out. Watch to the foot of your bed. Y'all are going to be checking the foot of your beds now, aren't you? <laughs> Mary Todd also said she was being haunted by President Andrew Jackson's ghost. She said she would hear him swearing and stomping through the residence. <laughs> So that was just a little uh, Americana ghost stories for you. Oh. Some of our founding yeah, she, mothers. She really got into spiritualism big time. She really did. She really did. So. She lost a lot of people. And that was how she kind of found comfort, though. And I think that's during the spiritual movement. I think a lot of those people took advantage of, people, of that's, grieving people of to do people. that. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that was interesting. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Didn't laugh as hard as we did with our patrons last week. but Oh my gosh. That hey. was fun. Yeah. If you guys are on Patreon yet, you should. <laughs> yeah, just within the last couple of days, we got a new subscriber. We did. I think we've gotten two. Yeah. So welcome to our welcome. Patreon. It's welcome. worth it. It's worth it, darn it. It's worth it. Yeah, you get the whole backlog. There's like bloopers videos and extra episodes. And There's a ton of stuff out there now. $5 a month. That's it. And we appreciate it a we lot. Do. Very much. We really so. do. Okay. Well, All again, right. happy 4th of July. Wow. Fireworks. Fun with family. Do you hear the baby? <laughs> she just woke up from her nap. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Back to mommying. Oh, All right, thank you guys sweetie. for joining us and be safe be Remember vigilant to leave leave comments and positive we'll... ones please well, <laughs> and you know, reviews we can positive always reviews. get better um, always that's true you know we like when they when you all let us know maybe could tweak this or maybe you could do that I mean, we appreciate it and then if you're watching on the youtube give us a hello give us a shout Hello. shout hello hello <laughs> okay beth is uh gonna mommy yep next episode is our bizarreities episode oh that's right and Yay. i have so many topics <laughs> i just need to narrow one down <laughs> oh we're gonna be here all week oh it'll be fun it'll be fun looking forward to it this was a good All one, right, Mom. sweetie. Cheers, Mama. Cheers. I love you, kid. <laughs>